You're listening to Comedy Central. This is a piece of interesting news that, that happened today. So they found a shipwreck from, I don't know how many years, hundreds of something years ago. And it's like, it's like another one of those stories. You know when they go like, oh, they went somewhere. It was actually a South African ship. Props to South African ships. You know how we do? <laughs> it was a South African ship that like went somewhere to find the ship that was wrecked. And I don't really care about the details of the shipwreck, I'll be honest, because it's like the ship sank. I don't care about ships that sank. I prefer the ships that didn't sink. Um, <laughs> but this is what gets me, right, is how come you're allowed to just keep what you find in a shipwreck? Like, I don't understand why, like, law in the sea just is like, it's like pirate law, essentially. Everywhere else in the world, we have laws, you know? Like, you can't find a thing in the desert and keep it. You understand that? No one, like, lives. There's, like, big pieces of the desert, but you can't just find shit there and keep it. But in the ocean, you can just do whatever you want. Find a ship, it's yours. That's it. You can't do that anywhere else. And they're like, no, it's the finders, keepers law, maritime law, you find it, and then you've got it. And then, you understand how crazy that would be if we applied that law? Imagine if you're at a mall, and then, like, you lost your car in the parking lot. And you're like, ah, I lost my car. And everyone's like, ah, it's mine now, bitches! That's essentially what's happening here. This is the chaos. It would be fun, though, if we did have those laws in life. Like, the next time you had a music festival, and you're like, oh, I've lost my wife. And everyone's like, hey, <laughs> Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show, ears edition, tonight. No more matches for Russia. Cancel culture is out of control. And Dolly Parton and James Patterson. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. We are now entering week three of the war in Ukraine. And there is a lot going on, both in the combat zone and around the world. So let's catch up on all the latest updates in our ongoing coverage of the war in Ukraine. As you probably know, one of the big stories of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine has been the surprising resilience of the Ukrainian people. But what's been almost more surprising is that it turns out the Russian military wasn't as prepared or powerful or effective as everybody thought. Yeah, their tanks are falling apart, their trucks are getting stuck in the mud, and the soldiers don't seem very prepared, which is not what any of us expected. You know, Russia struggling is not what anybody thought. It's like, imagine if in Game of Thrones, we waited seven seasons for the White Walkers, and then when they arrived, it was just a bunch of old dudes using walkers. You know, I mean, it still would have been a better ending, but you know what I mean. You know, when you think about it, you realize there's a chance that Russia's nukes don't even work, yeah? Because if you look at the trucks that get stuck in the mud, you realize there's a chance that their nuclear weapons don't work. Like, they might press that red button, and the nukes are just gonna be like... Now, please note, if I'm wrong about the nukes, we're all dead. So whatever you do, don't act on my intelligence. This is just me brainstorming here. The point is that in the two weeks that this has been going on, Russia has only been able to capture, completely capture, one major Ukrainian city so far. But that hardly means that things are going well for Ukraine. Several other cities are under siege and facing constant bombardment, and Russian troops have taken control of one especially strategic asset. 
Ukraine is raising alarms about the situation at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, the site of the world's worst nuclear disaster. Ukrainian officials say Russian forces disconnected the decommissioned facility from the power grid and called for a ceasefire in order to restore power. Ukraine's foreign minister says the plant has reserved diesel generators that can power it for 48 hours. But after that, the cooling systems for spent nuclear fuel stored there will stop making radiation leaks imminent. Ah, come on, Russia. Can you not mess around with a nuclear power plant? It's nuclear power. I mean, I want season two of Chernobyl, yes, but I also want to be around to watch season two of Chernobyl. Now, thankfully, the International Atomic Energy Agency says that there's no danger of a leak right now, which is good news right now. But I mean, regardless, Russia, what are you doing, huh? I mean, we're already dealing with one meltdown over here. The world doesn't need another one. And a Chernobyl disaster is bad news for you. Think about it. I mean, best case scenario, best case scenario. What happens if you screw this up, huh? A lot of Russians get sick. Worst case scenario, the radiation is gonna create an army of mutant super Ukrainians. And right now you can't even beat the regular ones. So is this a move you really wanna make? Now, while all of this is taking place in Eastern Europe, the West is still trying to figure out how involved NATO should get in helping Ukraine fight off the Russian invasion. Because you see, so far, NATO has been sending a lot of weapons into Ukraine. They've been sending surface-to-air missiles, anti-tank missiles, rocket launchers, guns, ammo, some Legos for the Russians to step on, everything. And these weapons are all helping. But what Ukraine really wants, really, really, really wants, is some fighter jets which apparently is a much trickier request. The Biden administration racing to catch up to news that Poland is offering to provide used fighter jets, MiGs, that could ultimately be delivered to Ukraine. Multiple sources telling CNN that report initially caught U.S. officials completely off guard. Poland said it would give Ukraine all of its MiG-29 jets, but transfer them to an American airbase in Germany. But the Pentagon said no, that it's too close to direct U.S. military involvement in the fight against Russia. Okay, this is, this is weird. This is really weird. Poland has offered Ukraine fighter jets, but they don't wanna give the jets to Ukraine directly because then they will be in a direct war with Russia. So instead, they wanna give the jets to America and then America hands them to Ukraine. But then America doesn't wanna do that because then they're fighting Russia directly. So now there's jets and there's Ukraine, but nobody knows how to bring the two together. I'll be honest, I don't know why this is so complicated. I mean, you've just got to treat these jets like an old couch that you don't want anymore. Hey, just leave it on the sidewalk. And then if Ukraine happens to walk by and finds a jet, I mean, what's Poland got to do with it, eh? Also, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's just me, but it's weird that they're going (laughs) through all these mental gymnastics here. Because even if Poland finds some sneaky way to get these planes to Ukraine, isn't Russia gonna know where the planes came from? You told us on the news. Comrade, did you notice Poland offered Ukraine jets? Now Ukraine has Polish jets. How did that happen? Yeah, probably same way toast always lands butter side down, eh? Life is crazy, we'll never know. And this has been a tricky situation since the war started. How involved can NATO get without Russia turning on them? And I'll be honest, I get it. It is hard to figure out. You know, this is like the ultimate conundrum of life sometimes, like the other day. I saw a mugging on the subway and I'm not gonna jump in to stop it because now that person is stabbing me. So instead I said, hey, don't do that. 
And then I immediately jumped off the train and I ran away, which I think struck the right balance, you know? Now, while the war war rages on, the West's economic war against Russia is ramping up too. Just yesterday, President Biden banned all Russian oil from entering America. But that's created its own problems because Americans still need gasoline to drive cars and to heat offices and to set their homes on fire for the insurance money. So President Biden is going around the world asking other countries to pump more gas to replace Russia's, right? Unfortunately, some of the countries that could help America apparently won't pick up the phone. As Americans watch gas prices rise, the Biden administration is now looking at importing oil from hostile countries, but it's not going so well. The Wall Street Journal reports President Biden tried to call the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, but they would not take his call. Officials from both countries are upset over American policy in the Gulf. Specifically, the Saudis want legal immunity for Prince Mohammed bin Salman in the U.S. He's facing several lawsuits over the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi back in 2018. Saudi Arabia and the UAE also want more backing from the U.S. and Yemen to quell the civil war there. And both are also reportedly not happy with the revival of the Iranian nuclear deal. You have got to be kidding me. Apparently, Saudi Arabia won't even pick up the phone for the president of the United States. I mean, look, I know it's hard to arrange those calls. You know, Riyadh is eight hours ahead. Biden is asleep by 4 p.m. It's a narrow window to make it work. But still, that must have been really embarrassing for Biden. Can you imagine? He phones them and they don't pick up. He probably had to do that thing where you pretend that the other person did pick up. Ha <laughs> ha, yes, MBS, <laughs> my man. <laughs> yeah, Ukraine, that is what I'm calling. You got me, baby, you got, yeah. Oh, I have been working out, yeah. This guy loves me, he loves me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I'll call you back. All right, love you too. You know what the White House needs to do? You know what they should do for this situation? They need to redirect the call so that instead of Washington, D.C., it looks like the call is coming from Ohio. Yeah because then the Saudis, curiosity's gonna get them. Phone's gonna ring, they're gonna be like, ah, who's calling from Ohio? Do we know anybody from Ohio? And someone's gonna be like, don't answer, don't answer. Ah, but what if it's LeBron? I have to answer, hello? Ah, Joe Biden, damn it, you are right. Ah, shit. Yes, yes, (laughs) I was hoping you would call. Now, according to the White House, according to the White House, this story is totally untrue. They deny it, which I would too. But either way, man, There is no denying that Saudi Arabia isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what? You can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just like ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as president wildcard, you know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'd be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here, we're here, hello? Too late, Ahmed, you made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. Now, while Biden and NATO are trying to figure out how to get Russia back in line, people all over the world are trying to do their part to stand up to the Russian regime. The only downside is that some people don't quite seem to understand the assignments. Backlash to the Russian invasion of Ukraine is leading to some misguided hostility in the U.S. Congressman uh, Eric Swalwell, who says that the consideration of kicking every Russian student out of the U.S. should be on the table. A young Russian pianist 
who is set to perform with the Montreal Symphony Orchestra this week, has been struck from the schedule after protests. The Cardiff Philharmonic Orchestra have removed the Russian composer Tchaikovsky from its program of up-and-coming concerts due to the current conflict in Ukraine. A popular Russian restaurant in D.C. is now vandalized. D.C. police say several people broke windows and spray-painted anti-Russian writing on the Russia House restaurant. New York's Russian Samovar restaurant says they've lost 60% of their customers. The co-owner is half Ukrainian. He said their sign has been kicked down and people have been leaving one-star reviews online saying things like, stop the war. Just because you're a quote-unquote Russian establishment does not mean you cut a check to Putin or his regime. Ah, man. Really, people? Really? You know, the only thing worse than not getting help is getting help from idiots. People, just because something is Russian doesn't mean it's automatically bad. All right? Like... Like Russian dressing, for example. Okay, that, that is bad. That's actually bad. Yeah, that tastes like ketchup dyed inside a bottle of mayonnaise. But you get what I'm saying. Not all Russian things are bad because of what's happening in Russia. Do you understand? You're not trying to be against the Russian people. You're trying to be against the Russian government to stop them from what they're doing in Ukraine. You understand that you can be anti-Russia and pro-Russian, all right? It's the same way you can question the Chinese government's handling of coronavirus without punching Asian grandmothers in the street. Do you understand this? Americans of all people should understand this. Yeah. You know, sometimes people want to be separated from the actions of their government. Yeah, we've seen you Americans traveling around the world with your Canadian flags sewn on your backpacks. And you know we can't tell the difference between your accents. By the way, you might think it's a good idea to ban Tchaikovsky now, but wait until Christmas comes and you're trying to get your nutcracker on. Then come talk to me. But look, idiots taking their anger out on Russian restaurants in New York, that's one thing. There is another backlash that's going on with corporations, which does make sense. Every day, more and more corporations are deciding they don't want to be a part of the Russian economy that is funding this war, right? As we told you yesterday, McDonald's, Starbucks, and now Coca-Cola have announced that they're suspending business in Russia. Yes, which means the Russian people are gonna be forced to develop diabetes on their own now. Yeah, and today, today, another big name is calling it quits. Bumble also announced that it will be discontinuing operations in Russia, removing all of its apps from the Apple App Store and Google Play Store in Russia and Belarus, and it's just the latest company to do so. Wow. No more Bumble in Russia. That's harsh. Now, you need dating apps in a country where the cuffing season is 10 months long. Have you seen their winters? And I know you might be saying, oh, Trevor, meeting women in Russia is easy. All you have to do is look inside a slightly larger woman. But that's not how it works. Don't be stupid. This is yet another hit to the Russian people because of what Putin has done. And you know, when you think about it, because Russian people only get Russian news, they probably have no idea why all these companies are closing. None. Think about it. Every day, something else just disappears from their life. McDonald's, gone. Starbucks, gone. Coca-Cola, Gone. But you don't know why. Can you imagine how confusing that must be? Yeah, there's probably Russians just walking around like, huh, I guess I was the only person drinking Coke. Now, as always, where the Western companies move out, the Russian government steps in. And luckily, for all the Russians looking to meet horny singles in their area, there's another app that's coming out. Comrades. Are you upset that Bumble has abandoned Mother Russia like coward? Well, do not worry, or we put you in jail. You do not need Bumble, because Russia has new dating app. 
Putin out. Now you can meet single Russians who match your interests, like loving Putin, or willing to die for Putin, or fit. Just swipe right on fellow Russians, then use chat feature to learn more about them. Maybe you fall in love, or maybe you report them to police. Either way is win. After matching on Putin out, you will enjoy all kinds of fun dating adventures like storming Odessa beaches or cleaning normal glowing rocks in Chernobyl. So fun! So sign up today for Putin out. Does not matter if you are already married, it's mandatory. All right, when we come back, Dolly Parton and James Patterson are joining me on the show. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guests tonight are legendary singer, songwriter, Dolly Parton, and best-selling author, James Patterson. They're here to discuss the novel that they've co-written about the country music industry and the album Dolly wrote to go with it. James Patterson, Dolly Parton, welcome to The Daily Show. Well, hello, Trevor, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, could, I could not be in a better place because you realize I am talking to two of the most successful people in the fields that they do anything in. I mean, James Patterson, you've written books that have gone around the world. I mean, hundreds of millions of people have consumed them. Dolly Parton, we're familiar with your music. I grew up listening to it with my mom. Like, we'd be driving around in our, like, Volkswagen Beatles singing to your songs with Kenny Rogers, and I would, like, sing your part. My mom would do Kenny Rogers. It's, it's... I'm um... sure you do her part now, Trevor. <laughs> I, you can't <laughs> sing Dolly Parton to yeah. Dolly Parton, James. Don't put me on the spot. Um, Run, Rose, Run. It's not dark, but it's thrilling. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really different side to the music industry than I think what a lot of people would have expected. You know, James, I, I maybe would have expected something like this from you, but Dolly Parton, what made you think, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you guys maybe another world in music that you might not be familiar with. And yes, it's fiction, but at the same time, it touches on some of the themes that people have encountered in music. Well, it does. And I, like I said, I knew all about the business and I've never written a novel before. I've written books, written children's books. And I, so I know what it's like to kind of write. But I, I had often thought I'd like to write a novel when I was older. And so uh, when James presented me with this, I thought, yes, why would James Patterson even be searching me out? And I thought, why? He don't need me. Look at what all he's done. But it made complete sense when he told me what, what the book was going to be about. And I knew I really could. Because, you know, I mean, it. Dolly came out of the hills of Tennessee and I came out of sort of a similar situation in upstate New York. And the character in the book also, I mean, we were both kind of million to one shots. And the character in the book is a million to one shots. He's very right. talented. Annie Lee Keys. Uh, um, but that doesn't mean you're going to make it. But also yeah. her story, everybody has a story when they come to town. Everybody's got a past their childhood and how they grew, grew up. And everybody's story is, uh, is, you know, different. Everybody's life is a soap opera. And so <laughs> it's really about her, her story. She was running to something. She loved the music, but she was running from something. So I knew that I could write great songs like uh, all the bad people in town, like Snakes in the Grass, about mm -hmm. the bad managers mm -hmm. and things, the guys that we, because I've experienced a lot of that myself you know so. when we met so I go, I go back home and and two days later I had I had some notes on for, for Dolly to react to she sent me notes on the outline and she and she sent me the lyrics for seven songs well I this got right two on days <laughs> <laughs> I had said to him I said now look if I, I'm not the kind of person but if we're going to work together I'm not going to just put my name on a book you know, if you put my name, if I don't really work. Right, and I thought, right. how am I going to contribute the most to it? And then one day I thought, well, 
I write songs and <laughs> and I know these stories. Yeah. And I would love to write a book. I mean, a, an album about these uh, situations and the characters in the movie. So it just seemed to fall so natural, and it just mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. helped us both. I yeah. think so. I, it was just such a magical thing. Yeah, it, it worked very quickly. It was it kind did. of like a TV show where every week we would have another episode or another th- two or three chapters to, to mess that. around with. And I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it because it just seemed to work it so was fun. well I mean, the, I tell you what, the best thing of all, we, we really become really good friends. Yeah, we You did. know, from my birthday, she sang happy birthday to me over the telephone. I mean, that's that's all <laughs> of it. Well, it was. Well, it was great. That's, that's everything. <laughs> The book, is, the book is already a success in your world just because of that. Um, I, I, actually, James, from your side, you, you worked with President Bill Clinton writing a book together. Now, yeah. you, you're a successful author on your own. I mean, this is what you do. You're one of the most beloved authors uh, around the world. But now, when you're writing with somebody who has their own point of view, who has their own fan base, who has their own style, I'd love to know how you find a way to meld those two worlds, you know? And, and, and the second part of that question is, what were the di- biggest differences between writing with Dolly Parton and Bill Clinton? Well, the, the biggest difference between Dolly, uh, Dolly's a much better singer and Bill's a better sax player, I think. <laughs> you, play, right. you play the sax? He does play sax, no. <laughs> Unless she plays the sax. Like Bill <laughs> uh, you know, they, they were both great to work with and they're both friends. I mean, it, it's really, it, that's the most precious thing to me about both of the relationships. Um, but the, the authenticity that Bill, the president brought and then the authenticity uh, that that we worked on in terms of of run runs run, um, and and no egos. There was never any bumps in the road ever. Not one. No, no bumps. But yes. I think people are except that she says I can't sing. I didn't like that. Well, you can't sing. And let's just move on from there. But <laughs> I know that for a fact. But he can write. But I really think people are enjoying this book or going to enjoy it because I think, like you said earlier, they love to see the inside and the stories of these people. You know, some of the stories behind yeah, the scenes yeah. of what Nashville yeah. is kind of like kind of gives them an insight into the business end of it, not just the entertain, entertainment side. You know, James, last we spoke, we talked about your, your family foundation and how, you know, you have scholarships and how you get books out to kids and to just people who want to read. And it's, it's really important to you. Uh, Dolly, I didn't know why you got into it. I've always known you as a philanthropist. I've always known you as somebody who loves giving back and, you know, loves getting kids reading and loves donating books. But I didn't know why you got it. Is it true that your father couldn't read? And so you said, you know what, not only is this important to me, but I think it should be important to everybody to, to, to be literate. I absolutely started the Imagination Library because of my father, who I loved to death. And he seemed to always be embarrassed and kind of almost crippled, you know, that he couldn't read. And he thought he was, couldn't read after he was grown. But my daddy was so smart and so good. And uh, I just... I it just I, one day I just thought, you know, I'm going to start something where children can learn to read when they're in their young days. That's when they're most impressionable. And right. I wanted to get my daddy involved with me in it. So my daddy, I took him with me. He helped with, you know, with all the little things. And he just loved to hear the kids call me the book lady. And I'd say, well, this is my dad. And of course, I didn't say anything about that, but he couldn't read and write at the time. But anyhow, I was he got to live long enough to see the Imagination Library doing so good. And he was so proud and so i have to honestly say that's one of the most proud uh, things that i have ever i'm proudest of that i mean as anything i have ever done in my whole career that is because of my daddy and because of the kids that is so beautiful. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure he's proud of you. I'm sure, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that he got to see it, as you say, in, in his lifetime. Yeah. 
people have been eternally grateful to your organization for this. You know, I, I remember as a kid, you know, one of the biggest things that changed my life was my mom spent the little money that she had to get me books, which changed my life forever. I was actually surprised to see that, um, you know, in, I think it was a Kentucky state, state legislator who said they don't want some of the books that you were offering because they didn't think it was appropriate for young kids. What do you think some people miss in and around, you know, what kids can or cannot read or how we process what we're reading? Well, I would never in a million years uh, begin to think that I would choose those books. I don't choose, we have a whole committee of people that choose the books that are made up of parents and all different people. So I would never be so bold as to think I knew what other people's kids should read, but it goes through a whole committee. And uh, so we do the best we can and I'll let people, you know, fight that out. So I just want to be there for the kids. I mean, they're yeah, little. Somebody's they're always going to be uh, five. complaining I mean, about something. How hard can it be? Yeah. They're not going to be reading Gone with the Wind. You know, it's, <laughs> so anyway, we'll, we'll let people figure that one out. But we do have other people that choose, choose they choose the books, not me. Uh, James, are you going to try your hand at songwriting? Is is this bug going to rub off on, <laughs> on your side now? You know, no. when I, <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> but when I was down here at Vanderbilt, you can't help yourself. So I did when I was down here. I did try to write some songs. It wasn't a good idea. What do you think? What do you think is actually harder? Honestly, do you think it's harder to write a novel, or do you think it's harder to write a song for you specifically? Well, for me, no. For me, I, I can't no because I can't write country songs or any other kind. But of I song. bet you could. I mean, you're a writer. Yeah, you, yeah maybe. You know, I don't think so. Could. The novel thing, I've kind of have a groove on it now. Yeah, I and, believe so. Yeah, and, and all <laughs> kinds of now because I do the kids stuff and then nonfiction and you know. So we're. You know, I, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dolly, on your side, you, you've said, and you know, it's crazy that you have wishes that, that haven't been fulfilled in life yet, but I know one of your wishes is you've said that you wish that Beyonce would cover Jolene. There are over 400 renditions of Jolene, multiple different languages, people have done it. And you said you specifically want Beyonce to do that. Are there any updates? Is there, like, do you know of this happening, you know, and, and why Beyonce? No, Maybe that's, that's even more I, important. But- I don't know if she's even got the message, but wouldn't that be killer? <laughs> I think she's fantastic and beautiful and I love her music. I would just love to hear Jolene done in just a big way, kind of like how Whitney did my I Will Always Love You, just someone right, that right, can right. take my little songs and make them like powerhouses. So that would be a marvelous day in my life if, if she ever does do Jolene. <laughs> um, Dolly, one last thing. You famously donated a million dollars for um, the, the research that went into helping us get the, the, the vaccine for COVID-19. How is it that you've always been on the right side of history? You know, you've said amazing things during the civil rights movement, you know, when many people were far behind. You've said amazing things like, you know, about equality, about women's rights. You've said amazing things now in and around the vaccines. Like, what is the magic of Dolly Parton that you were always on the right side well, of history? I just love people. I think we're all God's children. I make no difference in that. I always try to find the God light in everybody. I always keep my my ear and eye trained on what's going on. And I saw right away that that pandemic was going to be awful. I just sensed it. And I thought, well, what can I do uh, to maybe help a little bit? So I donated the money uh, to the research. And I'm happy I did. I got a lot more credit than I deserved. But I am very proud of whatever effect that I had on that uh, going on because it's still going on, but I just kind of be aware and want to help when I can. I think when you get in a position to help, you should. And, you know, the other thing is, is, um, you know, Dolly does what Dolly does, but having been around her now for a year and a half, she is the smartest person I've ever dealt with. Oh, please. So that's a piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you both for the compliments. 
James Patterson, Dolly Parton, thank you for your partnership and thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on The Daily Show. Thank and you. we this just is very love nice. you. You have a lot of fans too. You've just got that God glow <laughs> and I love it. So keep up what you're doing. Thank you very much. There are a few moments in life that I think my mom would actually like consider as me making it. Interviewing Dolly Parton is one of them. Oh. Like of all the things in life, that is it. I'm, go I'm gonna go back to her and be like, huh, this now? And she'd be like, oh, you did one thing, well done. <laughs> James, really wonderful seeing you again. Congratulations, guys. It's, 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 a, it's a fantastic Thank book, you. well Thank done. You Thank you so much, you. that's very Thank you so much, Dolly, great meeting you. Say hi to your mom for me. I, I will do, I will do, definitely. Personally, sending it right to her. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'm gonna clip this and send it to her. <laughs> All right. Both the novel and the album, Run, Rose, Run, are available right now. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, please consider supporting Women Giving Back. Their mission is to support women and children in crisis by providing quality clothing and diaper assistance at no cost. Every year, they provide over 10,000 women and children with these necessities. So if you can support them in their work, then please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, nobody should be bullied because of where they're from. They should be bullied for liking things that you don't. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.